Welcome to the Politically Asian Podcast. We're just two Asian American buds talking about politics and the Asian American community in hopes of getting more Asians to talk about politics. Today, we're coming at you live from Alabama and a very snowy Brooklyn, New York. My name is Aaron Yin. My pronouns are he, him, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Aaron Flarin. That's A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-R-I-N. And my co-host... Hey, I'm Jerry Lam. My pronouns are they, them, and you can find me across the internet at Jerryaki. That's G-E-R-R-I-E-Y-A-K-I. Let's take care of some housekeeping. So if you're new to the pod, we have a Patreon for you to support us. Uh, but you can help support us by paying, helping us pay for website fees, hosting fees, and more. Um, and in exchange, we have some fun perks, including shoutouts, custom merch, videos, and more. Check out the rewards at patreon.com slash politically Asian. As always, if you like the podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is find our podcast, scroll down, and click five stars. Today we're going over more politically Asian news that's been happening, but before that, we're going to do our Hot Take Hot Pot, where we each offer one opinion on the Asian community that we've been thinking about and discuss them. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, my hot take this week is I think some Asian people um, have trouble accepting criticism about the Asian community uh, because any time they hear a critique, uh, they think we're saying every single Asian person has this problem. And what made me think about this was uh, I've been reading a lot about Suni Lee this week, and uh, you know she's she talked about how she's getting hate. For from some members of the Hmong community for having a black boyfriend, and everyone starts interpreting this as like, oh, why is Suni Lee saying like the whole Hmong community is like anti-black, you know? And like, I, I think uh, there's just a huge gap between what she's saying, which is like some people in the Hmong community are giving her shit for this and having some, I guess, like anti-black attitude and conflating it to like, oh, Suni saying every single person in our community is anti-black. She's bringing us all down. <laughs> that kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. I think there's just a lot of nuance that's being lost between what people are like, what the actual criticism is and what, how it's being interpreted. Mm, I see. Okay. Um, I'm trying to decide, should I give my rating now or cause like, I feel like on the surface it's, it's kind of like a, it's a milder take, but I think we could analyze this and it could definitely get hotter. Cause I, I have some thoughts. Okay. What are the thoughts? So, well, first off, insert joke about not understanding English. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, really, the word some really, uh, really gets lost by a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think one, my first first response is that I think this is kind of symptomatic of like uh, an obsession with representation, right? Like one person represents all of us. You know what I mean? So like we lose that understanding of like, one does not mean all you know what i mean like mm, it, like okay, that kind okay. of thing and then the second half is a, a a spicier take yeah she did not say all but if she is feeling unsupported then that means the ones who aren't outwardly criticizing her aren't speaking up for her or protecting her and or like you know saying like hey you're being fucking racist you know like so in a way 
the you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like if if you're not speaking up, then you're just as bad as the people who are saying anti-black things in 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 my opinion. So in a way, it is the entire community is just like does that make uh, sense? Um, okay, I'm getting a little confused by the English as well. But okay, what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is, uh, it sounds like if you're not speaking up about anti-blackness, you're also part of the problem. Yeah, exactly. So she oh, doesn't yeah, feel yeah, supported. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The problem is she doesn't feel supported. So it's like, you know, like just because you aren't saying things about her and her boyfriend, if you aren't, you know, helping her feel better, if you aren't standing up for her, how are you any different? Yeah, yo, I did see some TikToks that were very supportive of her, and she also replied back, which was nice, right? Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. not just she one sided. Them. Yeah, yeah, she sees them. Yeah, that's the, the power of Gen Z and being on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Joe's rice roll, Joe's rice roll red sauce. Wow, so many R's back to back. But yeah, mm, that's that's okay. what I'd have to give that. Nice. Yeah. All right. What is your hot take for the week? My hot take is that, like, kind of like making Asianness measurable um, was a really bad thing to happen to the Asian political identity. And when I say like ma- making Asianness measurable, I mean saying things like, oh, I feel really Asian when I do this. I feel less Asian because I don't do this. Um, oh. When in reality, there's only two two options, right? You're Asian or you're not Asian. <laughs> Podcast, no. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I just think like this concept of like, oh, I feel, you know, like I'm more Asian because I eat dumplings, I speak Chinese, you know, like doing that, like that's, that's corporate Asian America. They made that up. So you would buy, you buy stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it feels like to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like there's almost like two things. Like the first thing, the first hot take is just doing things and labeling them as like, this makes me more Asian or less Asian is bad. It's like the first part, right? Yeah. Like. Yeah, like, what what do you mean by that? And then, like, by by making that a thing, then, like, you know, you kind of, I feel like that kind of opens it up to, like, white people to be like, oh, you know, like, the way they consume culture or, like, specifically consume Asian culture, right? Like, yeah, Yeah, I mean, I agree with that because, like, sometimes, I forgot how long ago this was, but... There was this white professor who was like, "Oh, I'm more white. I'm more Asian than most Asian American kids because, like, I speak the language and I've mm. been to the country a lot of times, yeah. right?" So it was like using these things to be like, "I'm more Asian than a, I guess, honestly, like, like genetically Asian or you know, like socioeconomic, like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah." I know yeah. what you're trying to say. I mean, like, yeah, like it doesn't make you more or less Asian if you can't speak your respective language, right? But I'm still going to get unsettled when I see a white person speaking fluent Mandarin. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Does it all come down to, like, the uh, the ethnic, like, I guess, skin tone and appearance? Is that, like, the main... I mean, <laughs> honestly, yeah, kind of. Like, if, if... I feel it, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, I think, like, you know, we talk pretty frequently about, like, mixed race people specifically Asian people um you know a common complaint refrain that you hear from like Asian folks is that like oh asians don't see me as asian enough i don't you know like it doesn't matter if i don't see you as asian enough do white people see you as asian enough do they mm. do they see you as chinky do they call you slurs do they you know what i mean like yeah if, no if, yeah race is a very visual language it's it's very visual so like you know like if you don't look asian then like 
I don't I don't know what to say, dude. Sorry. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you, you want the benefits and none of the none of the like I don't want to say consequences, but like the bad sides too, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's the first part. And then the second part was you're saying that Asian corporate America uses this to basically make money. Yeah. I mean, obviously there is no you know, building in the United States, it's like Asian America <laughs> corporate, you know, but yeah. like, it's, yeah, it's, it's more, <laughs> yeah, it's like a mindset. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a mindset, um, is, is what I'm trying to get at. Like, um, uh, it's a mindset that we've like kind of made ourselves, I think. Um, yeah. I can agree with yeah. that. Like Asian, like consume, like Asian identity being defined by consumerism. Like yeah, if you exactly. buy more boba, you might be more Asian. Exactly. Or you like, watch Shang-Chi, you are, you know, five times, eight times, you're a super Asian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like what we were talking about, those, um, the, the vibrator dumplings that went around the internet the other day. Like, there's no guarantee if those are even good, good vibrators or sex toys. You right, know what I mean? right. Like, they just want you to buy it because it's like dumpling shaped. Yeah. 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 I see. Yeah. yeah, got it. Okay. Um, I think the second part's, uh, I think the two together, I, th- I feel like it's fairly spicy. I'd probably give that like a sriracha. Okay. You know, so, <laughs> fairly so a, spicy. A, a, little, a little above <laughs> mid-tier. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think the two combined is like, I, I never really thought about how it, it, it's sold to make people feel more Asian. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was like, oh, like Asian people do this, but I never thought about how doing something might make you feel more Asian or less Asian. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting idea for me to think about until we see each other next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, noted. Um, so yeah, let's talk, let's talk about what's happening in the news, what's happening in New York, because I'm flying back tomorrow. Um, the New York governor, Kathy Hochul, she signed a bill last week requiring state agencies to separate data among different Asian ethnic groups. So essentially like data disaggregation. Um, And that's super cool because people have been like trying to do this for like, get this going for like 10, 10 plus years. Yeah. Like decades. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And Cuomo was like, we don't have enough money to tell Asians apart. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what I found so funny is that Andrew Cuomo was trying to stop this. (laughs) So sad. But yeah, um, for those of you who don't know why it's important, um, you know, like separating the different Asian groups um, will be helpful because uh, Asians in the U.S. have like the greatest wealth gap of any ethnic group, um, according to a 2018 Pew Research report. So like East Asians, Southeast Asians, South Asians, like they all do pretty differently in terms of like wealth and education different health uh, factors. So um, instead of just like averaging everyone together, we get more nuanced by splitting everyone into their specific ethnicities. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited for that. Um, I mean, like, I think, I think it's still only going to matter to Asians, you know what I mean? Like, um, (laughs) but I think it will definitely help out like Southeast Asian people, you know, like those numbers, right? Like they need the data to prove that like, we're not like those other Asians. No, but like <laughs> essentially that, you know what I mean? Um, who, who are like blocked from opportunities because East Asians and South Asians just take up so much space and like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel pretty happy about it. I think it'd also be cool that like if we're filling out forms in New York city, for instance, um, I guess pretty soon we'll see like so many options for each individual ethnicity. Yeah. 
instead of just you know like Asian Pacific Islander in one little row. I think it'd be cool to see every <laughs> single individual one. Um, I'm I, looking I'm forward to that. Even, is it is it gonna be every ethnicity? Because like I wouldn't even be mad if it was just like East Asian, Southeast Asian, and South Asian. You oh, know what no. I mean? It, it's it's split into a lot of. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of different categories. So I'm seeing on this NBC Asian American article, um, there's going to be Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, Korean, Vietnamese, Indian, Laotian, Cambodian, Bangladeshi, and Hmong. Uh, you know, shout, I guess shout out again to Sunni <laughs> from earlier. <laughs> and the same will be done for individual Pacific Islander groups, inc- including Native Hawaiians, Guamanians. Okay. Samoros and okay. Samoans. Um, hmm. Yeah, so it, it's a, that's not the entire list, but it just those are four among the other groups. So it seems really like detailed, which is nice. Yeah, interesting. Okay. So um, what else? What else is happening in New York? Oh, uh, Eric Eric Adams got sworn in on at New Year's Eve, um, which they did not cancel. Um, they still had the ball drop. <laughs> yeah, they um, still had the ball drop <laughs> to celebrate the new COVID variant they were making. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, For people who don't know about Eric Adams, um, he is New York City's new mayor. He's also a former cop with the NYPD and also previously Republican. Um, And one of his biggest things is that he strongly believes that the NYPD can be changed from within. Yeah, I don't. You know what's funny is like we we on the I don't I mean maybe you did more research Aaron but like for for me like in terms of homework from this pod we focused so much on Morales and Yang that like I literally have no idea what Eric Adams policies are. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean cuz I don't think anyone thought he was going to win, right? Exactly. And, and, and everyone's like, "Oh, Yang's going to win." And so even though him and Yang have like the same policy, we're like, "Okay, let's focus more on Yang cuz <laughs> He's more likely going to win. Um, yeah. yeah. We're on Twitter too much is what we're trying to say. Yo, yeah, that's what I'm saying. My main takeaway was like, yeah, Twitter clout. You know, Andrew Yang may have like a million followers on Twitter, but in New York City, he had like so little clout. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric Adams, not off to a great start. Like he, um, I think he says this at like his inauguration that like cooks, dishwashers, um, and then like some other like blue collar workers don't have, quote, the academic skills to sit in a corner office, end quote. Um, Aaron, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, so my first take on this is, okay, obviously there's a little bit of like classism and stuff involved with this and thinking that a lot of like people who work at like restaurants and, you know, as dishwashers, I think he also said like shoe cleaners and like Dunkin' Donuts employees, etc., like Not they don't Dunkin have Donuts. Academic. He said something about a Dunkin' Donuts. I was like, that's very specific. Is that a is that a promo? I'm like, well, the, I, the, 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 I don't know what it's like in Arkansas, but like in Alabama, it's it's Krispy Kreme nation down south. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah. when <laughs> I moved true. when I moved to the north, they were like, yeah, the Northeast runs on Dunkin'. I was like, this is the worst place on earth. Um, yeah. So that's you know maybe it's just a local reference kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I think. Like when I think about that, I also think about like the Asian angle, um, mm-hmm. I guess the Asian immigrant angle is that there are a lot of, you know, Asian immigrants who, you know, they were maybe like doctors or engineers or like white collar workers back in their own home countries. But when they immigrated here, um, whether it's due to like language or like other, you know, job barriers, like hiring biases, whatever, like now they're working like blue collar jobs. 
And so I think that's one thing, at least it's like, yo, like they definitely have the academic skills to sit in a corner office and do also many other things. <laughs> definitely. Like they're, probably pr- they're probably pretty smart, actually, but they're just like some small things that are like hindering their ability to succeed as well in America versus um, from like their home country. So yeah, that's like my initial like reaction to that. It's like the classism and also like the Asian immigrant angle. Yeah. Oh, what I mean- do you think? Yeah, no, like, I I mean, there are also, like, our peers, right, like, who graduate from college, and maybe they went to those, like, big, expensive schools, and, like, now, you know, like, they're they're working those jobs, they're working those dishwasher jobs, they're working at coffee shops, like, that kind of thing, and, like, I don't think, like, I I, I don't think that makes them any, you know, like, I don't understand this, and then, like, um, I was like reading up on Eric Adams because like I'm like, where are you coming from to say stuff like that? You know what I mean? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Where, why? Um, and it's not like he went to, you know, OK, you don't have to be a genius. Like, I'm not saying like everyone who goes to Harvard is like a rocket scientist, but like it's not like he went to like particularly like. It's not like he went to Stanford or anything like he went to the New York City College of Technology, John Jay, like. I'm not saying oh, those are bad okay. schools, but I'm not saying that, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Like, what's, what, where are you time out? And then like this thing about like academic skills, like just rubs me the wrong way. Like I was like reading, he has dyslexia, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, where are you coming from with, by saying like those kinds of things, like not, you're saying that people don't have academic skills, but like, I don't know. Like he, he, he was like failing school because he he has dyslexia. So like, what are you? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, yeah, exactly. It's like you were seen as not having academic skills. You're yourself. mayor now, but yeah. you're like shitting on other people who are seen as like not having academic skills and thinking they're actually like just dumb as shit or something. Yeah, like I don't know. It was just it. I always get like riled up when like I, like um I don't know. We were talking about this and just saying that like. I saw it from more of like an ableist kind of um, point of view that like school is like not a great measurement first off like it, and, mm, and acad- that's true, but, yeah, but, yeah. like academia is not like a good measurement of like someone's value talent worth whatever um, yeah like right like on the pod we agree that like there's no such thing as unskilled labor so like yeah uh, right like anything I was like they about this the other day like I work as a copywriter like I don't want to tell my parents this, but like everything that I learned to do my job, like I could, I, I learned in high school. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, you know, I, like a hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know I do customer experience. It's just talking to customers every day. It does not require like I studied architecture in college. It does not require any of that. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing. You have to design the conversations, yeah. Aaron. I don't know. I don't know what you studying. Yeah, <laughs> it it honestly just feels like he kind of forgot where he came from a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure he was seen as extra, like dumb. Like he's, he says himself, like he did not do well in school. Right. Right. I'm sure teachers and classmates thought he was extremely dumb and wouldn't go anywhere. Right. Right. Well, but now he's mayor. You know, I mean, a little bit, unfortunately, but he's mayor. <laughs> uh, right and it's now he's like oh like like i'm like the he's like i'm the one kid who was seen as like the dropout who's actually smart everyone else is actually just dumb it's <laughs> like what is happening bro 
Oh my god, yeah. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot to be said that we can we can explore on a different episode. But like, just this concept of like forgetting where you come from. I, I sometimes yeah. I feel like a lot of problems really stem from that philosophy or like that phenomenon. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I'm just like, yo, Adams is not really off to a great start, and I cannot believe it's gonna be four years of this bullshit. <sighs> <laughs> I cannot believe it. At all. It's just so oh, terrible. No. Okay, well, speaking speaking of our tech jobs, um, <laughs> um, so this was a, this was pretty interesting. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, the the CEO of DoorDash is this Asian guy named Tony Shu. Is that how you pronounce it? Tony Shu, X U Shu. Yeah. Okay, and he he launched this this initiative to make every employee in DoorDash, corp, DoorDash corporate has to do a delivery. And one of like one of the articles online was like wrote what the actual fuck wrote an engineer with a reported total compensation of four hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> <laughs> OK, to be honest, that's kind of on brand, right? Like, if you're yeah. making that much money, I'm sure you're kind of deluded, and any request for manual labor of any kind is going to make you so mad. <laughs> I worked hard, so like I wouldn't have to do it myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. The only thing I want to work out is my fingers <laughs> coding every day. Oh, the consequences yeah, um, of my actions. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess to just add on to that, like there was a DoorDash spokesperson saying that this program, um, you know, reflects our values, brings us closer to the product, I guess, of food delivery and helps us build empathy with all of our audiences. <laughs> How do you feel about this whole thing? How do you feel about Tony making all these workers do a delivery? Um, well, you know, this line about build empathy for all our audiences, like low key, it's, it's almost like saying like, we didn't have any to start with, you know what I mean? Like that's, oh. what, that, that's <laughs> yeah. what that reads to me. Um, but then I also have to like question, um, like where is this coming from? Because, you know, you built a platform that like steals from small businesses that doesn't pay their delivery men enough. You know what I mean? Like. It just feels like PR and, mm. um, you know, like they have tons and tons of like labor issues, right? Like November 2020, DoorDash had to pay $2.5 million back in stolen wages. Your CEO is the highest paid in the Bay Area as of 2020, which is like pretty wild to me because there's some pretty rich people in in the yeah. Bay Area. But t t Tony is the crazy rich Asian in, truly. <laughs> in SF. <laughs> Yo, I'm kind of curious because I was I was looking this up too, and Tony um, and his wife, they both signed the Giving Pledge, mm -hmm. um, which is like this campaign that was started by like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates that basically is like, we're going to donate more than half of our wealth to charity. Oh, so you can write it off in your taxes? Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think Tony's doing some kind of like major PR thing mm -hmm. um, regarding... The company, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I will say, okay, I personally like that he's making every engineer do a delivery. <laughs> I do think it does help with customer experience for everyone to do that. And, like, they don't even have to actually all do that, right? Because there is something else saying they could do that or shadow a customer experience agent like oh. me. Um, yeah, or, like, support a merchant somehow. So it's it seems like there's a lot of different ways to gain credit for you know, empathizing with the customer that's not just delivery. 
Okay, so there's even a way to get out is what I'm hearing. Yeah, it seems like there's a way to get out or like alternative. So I'm just like, I just find it, I think it's good that he's, it just feels like very rich person, CEO, making his rich software engineer employees do a little bit of work, um, which I'm like, I guess that's progress relatively, but. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I know I opened this episode by saying like, oh, we shouldn't quantify Asian-ness, but like, (laughs) that feels like a very Asian thing to do. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) make all your workers do a delivery even though like (laughs) software engineers that's so funny to me yeah um whatever dude (laughs) to me it's it's is it's it is it like asian parents making your kids work in the restaurant is that sort of an analogy yeah kind of or like it's like the i mean like obviously as long as we acknowledge this is essentially like pr um it does I don't know. It, it does kind of feel like the age, like, you know, like Asian parents, like even if they like make it or like they have like a nice little like nest egg, they still shop at Costco. You know what I mean? Like they still oh. like wash the plastic containers. Yeah. Um, like keeping you humble a little yeah, bit. Yeah. 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 Like that's, yeah, that's kind of what that. it feels like to me. Tony um, is vibes. very Asian. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think it also does depend on what he ends up donating to. Like obviously, if he just sets up his own nonprofit and just donates a lot of money to his own charity, then okay. Very questionable. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, versus giving all the money to like grassroots movements or like, you know, nonprofits that may not be shady or exploiting other people. I think it kind of depends. Um, very interesting though, to see all this happen in the same month. Yeah. I mean, but we have, to be fair, we have talked about, um, you know, like, um, and th- there's like even a great book about it. Uh, Oh my gosh, what's it called? Winners Take All. It's it's the South Asian uh, author wrote about like billionaires um, and like the industri- the um, industrial complex of like um, nonprofit donations and like charitable giving and philanthropy is what it's essentially about. Um, mm. Highly recommend. Even though I've only read three chapters, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I still don't love that like way of making the world better because like why should it be up to one individual with 400 billion dollars to like decide who gets what money right like how is that better how is that system better the the main thing i the main takeaway i get from stuff like the giving pledge is like okay y'all really did not need that money in the first place then if you're comfortable giving it all away like more than half away i'm like all right you could have given away much sooner or just not had in the beginning then like like yeah yeah no exactly um i think it's a lot about um control right like bill gates i mean we saw it with bill gates right he he was like i'm gonna i'm gonna help people get i'm gonna give them access to health care in other countries you know like um but then like when it really came down to it he was like no you can't have the patent to the vaccine yeah <laughs> he's a mr vaccine patent right here yeah right. oh we must uh protect this at all costs even <laughs> at the cost of human lives no exactly exactly yeah so yeah. it's about control Okay, and the last item on our news docket uh, involves an Ivy League professor, uh, Amy Wax. She's a law professor at UPenn, and uh, she was on this podcast uh, essentially fear-mongering about Asian people. She was saying, like, oh, you should be worried about the dominance of the Asian elite in the United States. It is a danger. America would be better off with fewer Asian people. Thoughts? (laughs) okay two um 
dominance of Asian Lee. Um, all I can think is, has representation gone too far? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. And then the second thing is um, I always, like, laugh at things like that. Um, you know, like, Asian Americans have... Sorry. Asians in general have always been um, integral to the United States, right? Like, in this pandemic alone... Um, the the surgical masks like the the blue surgical masks those were invented by like a chinese malaysian epidemiologist mm. the the n95 invented by a taiwanese immigrant you know like mm-hmm. the kn95s where are you guys getting those china korea yeah, 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 right yeah. like are you sure you'd be better off without us yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. like i don't know what do you think <laughs> yeah i mean by itself disturbing um I think, I mean, the reason that we talked about it mainly was it's disturbing because she's an Ivy League professor mm-hmm. and, you know, Asian people, they're always like, oh, Ivy League's the best school. But then you find out like, oh, this law professor has this point of view and she was also saying this on a podcast run by another Ivy League professor. I find it funny that Ivy League professors have podcasts, but that's a separate <laughs> topic. But it's like, yo, like we clearly have two, we, we have like an like one Ivy League person enabling this other racist Ivy League person. I'm just like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, Asian parents, hopefully for the next generation, maybe plus a place a little less emphasis on this. Cause like, just cause they're an Ivy League professors does not mean they're like the most progressive people. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I think sometimes like, this is going to sound so mean, but like I I think like sometimes Asian immigrants fall prey a little too easily to like marketing scams. And by that, I don't mean like Herbalife. I mean like America and <laughs> America. Ivy Leagues. <laughs> That's what I mean yeah. by marketing scams. Um, Ivy Leagues, the Herbalife for Asian people. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> like it's not like what, like we, you, you want, you want to go to the school so bad you're willing to sue. You're willing to go to like court and for what? So you can have a racist teacher? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, no, like a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's not even the first time. I mean, with the context of Amy Wax, she's been put on leave and been forced to teach very few courses because she's been very racist in the past as well. <laughs> so it's like it's like strike two. It's like yo, these these professors once they're tenured, like she's not going to get fired. Like UPenn's still keeping her, which is the craziest part. It's almost like the system doesn't work. Hmm. Yeah, I'm like this. This tenure thing is like, like racism proof, basically. Right? How did she get tenured in the first place? That's that's what I, I want to know. know. <laughs> yeah, and to be context, um, yeah, in 2017, she was like, not all cultures are equal, or at least not equal in preparing people to be productive in an advanced economy. Everyone wants to go to countries ruled by white Europeans. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just like this, clearly there's some like white supremacy vibes just decorated in a, you know, Ivy league professor costume, <laughs> gift, gift, Ivy league professor gift wrap. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's yeah. It's wolf in sheep's clothing. I don't know how you want to put it. I think, I think the other thing that like, I really want to highlight here is like, um, I love Wikipedia. So I did some, you know, I did some background and like, Amy, Amy Wax has like the Asian American wet dream for her educational like background. Like her undergrad, she went to Yale. She has a, a bachelor's in molecular molecular biophysics and biochem. She is a Marshall scholar, which means like she has a big brain and they thought she was going to be like 
what's this? Let me let me read the description. Intellectually distinguished young Americans and their country's future leaders to study in the UK. So she did that at Oxford. She did med school and law school at the same time at Harvard. She did a neurology residency at Cornell, and then she finished up law school at Columbia. Like, that's Thanos' Ivy League version. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. All the affinities. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Ivy League infinity stones, all the Ivy Leagues. That's so funny. Okay, that also just sounds like classic, like, Ivy League, like, just trying to get all the clout, though. Like, <laughs> like, like at some no point, it's too far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Asian people at UPenn are writing a lot of letters in response that they dislike this, but it's like, it, yeah, I think my main takeaway was that there are a lot of Ivy League professors who are pretty racist, um, though they might not admit it, is is my main takeaway. Like, okay, here's my question. Where would you recommend people to go to college now with this info? Oh, uh, I mean, like, they're, it, well, it depends where you live, but... If you're in New York, uh, 100% CUNY. Yeah. If you're a resident, it's free. And like, there's been studies that CUNY has done more for social mobility than any of the Ivies. Mm, you know, yeah. like, that's, that's public education, baby. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, go to a place with more Asian people than like UPenn or somewhere like where there's, there's not as many like white professors. Oh, so the UC system? <laughs> yeah. Maybe like the UC system. <laughs> okay. Though. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if race alone is a good indicator of that. I mean, yeah, maybe a little. Eh, I don't know about that actually. Yeah, but no, you should you should follow class on that. Like not not yeah, like educational class, yeah. but like just go to a school you can afford. Don't mm. don't go to a school yeah. that's like two hundred thousand dollars a year. It's not worth it. I promise. Like college does not have to be the best time of your life. You don't, and you don't have to pay yeah. your life for that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're gonna be it, the, spending the rest of your life working off that debt. At a coffee it shop. Definitely, yeah. It will not be the best time of your life, especially if you have Amy Wax as a professor. Yeah. <laughs> like, you spend 200K to go to an Ivy League for the professor to be like, Asian people are a danger to society. Yeah, and I think I think that was, that was the one point that I wanted to highlight is like, I think, you know, sometimes we get carried away and thinking like, oh, racist people are ignorant. Racist people are like backward hicks, you know? But like, mm. no, like racist people are like also in these institutions that are like of intelligence you know what i mean yeah like, racist people are also really smart yeah <laughs> like they're, unfortunately they're mega, uh, mega mind yeah they're they're smart but evil right like it's, yeah it's yeah yeah it's like dumb racist and smart racist um both racist but <laughs> yeah that's yeah no that's true yeah so that's that's the main point that like i wanted to bring because like harvard like med school and law school at the same time what the fuck like yeah. <laughs> you ran out of did you run out of brain cells for empathy like <laughs> yeah that's funny, that's funny. it's like that one guy um johnny kim who was um you know like he was being glorified because he was like uh, an astronaut in oh, law yes. school and yes. military right and that's it's like the same build essentially yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah that's the, the nasa guy right like the recent yeah one the, of the nasa recent, guy now yeah 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 Okay. Yeah. Have you? Have you? Have you? Did you ever have an experience like that? Because because I did. I had a racist professor, and it was <laughs> jokes. Um. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So I will say. Uh. My. I. I had a professor freshman year. White guy. Very nice. Okay. And like the entire time I knew him, he was friendly. But then you know I graduated in 2017, and 
after that, a few years later, uh, he was writing, I guess this past year, he was writing a whole bunch of articles essentially saying like why Black Lives Matter is bad, why they're essentially like terrorists. And I'm oh, no. like, bro, what the fuck? I'm like, it's very awkward. I'm just like, yo, this whole time you were probably having all these racist thoughts inside your head. And then now you're finally like publishing it straight up. And I'm like, this is just very disappointing. Yeah, that's that's like the scariest part. And like, I know, like they always say, like, oh, politics don't belong in the workplace. But like, mm, I don't want a coworker that's like thinking those kinds of thoughts about me. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, I mean, like, yeah, like in academia too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Um. Uh. I. It wasn't at Columbia, but like at my undergrad, which was uh, public school. Um. I. I did have. A communications professor because your boy graduated with a communications degree and um, <laughs> this professor like was very bad at technology which which sucked because he had an online class and this was before covid so like it was just mm. it was just like there was we didn't have zoom it was nothing like that um but like his emails were just like so grammatically incorrect like he typed like he, he typed like an immigrant for lack of a better way. He typed like a yeah. like an Asian immigrant on WhatsApp. Like that's, it was, it was, there was like ellipses in places there shouldn't have been, you know, there were spaces mm. in, in words randomly. And like, I was like, dude, like what I, I straight up emailed him. I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like it's literally grammatically incorrect what you're saying. And then I don't know where this came from, but his English was 100% perfect. When he said this, do you have command over the English language? That's what he asked me. Oh, and, wow. and I have it like an email, <laughs> like a screenshot of it to this day. Um, uh, Oh. Yeah, it turned and like I was very loud about it because I I was I was very annoying in undergrad um, and the whole like communications department like came down on him because like whoa nice yeah like I mean he didn't get fired or anything I think he, yeah, I think he also had course, tenure actually yeah. of um, course yeah tenure is the is the is like the bulletproof jacket for <laughs> racism. <laughs> so, like so, is it like a pope? Like how do they can they? They just had to retire. Is that how they get out of there? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Otherwise, you could just get paid for life. And I think you might have to teach a minimum of a certain number of classes per year. But it's cozy. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I mean, good on you for speaking up, though. So it sounds like he got a slap on the wrist, at least. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a slap yeah, on the yeah. wrist. Yeah, yeah. He, he, like, he, like, had to apologize to me and like he we, we like had to get on a video it was it was not as it's not as nice as it sounds he had to get oh, okay. on a video call he was just like yeah you just misunderstood me i was like how <laughs> <laughs> how could i have misunderstood you like i showed this email uh, to literally everyone like there's there's a reason the dean is mad at you and not me <laughs> did you say that yeah and he was just like nice, well, nice. i don't know what to say i'm sorry i guess and i was like okay that's not really okay um and then i just hung up and that was it mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even remember what I made in that class. It doesn't matter because <laughs> it, it just didn't matter. School doesn't it, matter is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, is there... Yeah, so I guess going back to the earlier topic, it's like, I guess racist professors can be at like public schools. They can be at Ivy Leagues. Oh, racists best, are everywhere. They're yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Just at the, even. Yeah, no matter. It's, it's not like going to Ivy League will save you from racist professors, but also certain public schools might also do that. So focus on the public school that will give you the most social mobility. I mean, 
you don't have to think about i think that that like might stress you out if you think like social yeah. mobility right like i think that's what mm. kind of got asians in this pickle is like we have to be doctors because you know you can turn like ronnie chang says you can turn it around one generation yeah exactly i don't exactly. think that's the right way to think of it but like you don't want to set your you know you don't want to set yourself back you know two generations with like yeah. a 400k <laughs> well, debt right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly on top of the trauma of whatever yeah, exactly. <laughs> dealing with whatever bullshit from that said professor yeah exactly yeah. exactly Oh, and uh, no. So the the actual last item on the the docket today is the um, the latest issue of Vogue, um, January fifth. Jung Ho Yoon is the first East Asian woman to be featured on the cover of Vogue by herself. They have to specify by herself because um, <laughs> I think like a couple years back there was they featured the the women of Sense Eight, and there is a another Korean oh. actress. Yeah, I think that's it. It's a little rusty, mm. but um, and then the other Asian woman is uh, Priyanka Chopra, and oh wow, yeah. So like that's I mean like this is fantastic, but also like you know this is the pod we don't really talk about like representation whatever. But I saw this on Facebook and there was an interesting comment that like I want me and Aaron to unpack, and that comment um, was like oh that's wonderful she seems cool which like weird but okay. Um, this person said. I hope we don't have to wait long for the next Asian cover of a major U.S. mag, and I hope it will be an Asian American who looks like me and speaks fluent English. Um, discuss. <laughs> I mean, I completely understand. Like, when I look at a picture of an Asian person, I know whether they're fluent in English or not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's what I look for in my Vogue cover yeah. stars, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, and I guess for context, this um, uh, Jung Ho Yoon, uh, she was in Squid Game, uh, which is what led to her being on this cover of Vogue. I mean, I'm just a little confused. Like uh, genetically, I don't think there are that many differences between Asian. I mean, there are not like physicality wise. Like, there's not that many differences. Like when I see her, I'm like, oh, cool. Like I see me, but um, I'm just a little confused. Like what? Like, what exactly does that mean? I, I have no clue. I was like, because, like, I agree with you, right? Like, um, I, I can't look at her and think, like, mm, she does not speak fluent English. <laughs> you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, And, like, it, it's like that. It's like how we ended up with the whole, I'm not Chinese. Don't stab me. You know, like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Like, they, they don't care. They're not going to ask, like, oh, are you American? Or, you know, yeah. like, if you're not American, I'm going to stab you. It's like, I don't understand that line of thinking. I'm, I'm. But, like, at the same time, I will say, like, um, someone in a subreddit brought up, like, oh, why are, why are, uh actors from asia or you know like celebrities from asia um why how do they get to make it so easily here while here in the u.s asian americans have so much difficulty and someone else was like oh well it's probably because those asian celebrities get to succeed in in you know like a world that actually appreciates them is what they said something yeah, along those lines 100 percent. i was like hmm like, okay yeah <laughs> The way to get on American magazines is just to do your own thing in another country and then eventually Come make back. Like the, the, the loop-de-loop. Yeah, the boomerang. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I'm a little confused. Like, maybe, I mean, I can understand there's some claims of, like, a lot of 
K-pop stars or something. There's like plastic surgery. Like, I don't exactly understand what the claim to like looking like me means. Like I don't know if they're talking about plastic surgery or some other way of looking different. That's unclear. I don't be an Asian American who I don't know because like the commenter was East Asian. Like I double checked. I was like, yeah, this person looks like she looks like you. I don't know. I were, don't know were what they you also mean. Korean? I don't know if they were Korean or not. But like, mm. I mean, we we East Asian. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't understand that. But also, I think the first part. It's like I hope we don't have to wait long for the next Asian cover of a major U.S. magazine. I'm like, honestly. To me, I'm like, yo, maybe you should just buy more Asian magazines. Like, <laughs> if you're waiting for people to be on the cover, you could speed it up a lot just by buying a magazine of a different language. <laughs> Outsource your representation for Yeah, I'm like, actually, like, yeah, like, people are thriving. Like, Undiaspora you, yes. yourself. Yeah, und- no, I mean, actually, like, un- like learn the, the language of the other magazine, then it looks really cool. Like, I'm sure there's, like, a People magazine or Vogue of, like, you know, Korea and, like, right. China and just, whatever, right? Just it's subscribe like just, to yeah. Vogue Korea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, though. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised. And you, we probably will have to wait long because Anna Wintour has been, like, the editor of Vogue for, like, oh, no less than a bajillion years. And she is very yeah. bad at diversity. Um, is she very old? She's crusty. She's crusty as hell, dude. She, she's like the Queen Elizabeth of fashion yep. magazines. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Perfect description. Yeah. No notes. Yep. Um, the last note I want to make on this comment is like, this person says, an Asian American who looks like me, this this commenter was East Asian. But you, you know, like, a South Asian American could also make it, and they would not yeah. look anything like you. Yeah, exactly. That's why I feel like it's really just like wanting to see someone who looks like you on a magazine so again i'm like yo just buy a korean magazine you'll instantly you know feel that dopamine rush like, without <laughs> having to wait like for anna Wintour to die or become more quote like progressive yeah um, i don't know what to say like go to therapy <laughs> yeah, yeah get an asian therapist okay let's wrap up this episode uh thank you for listening again if you like the podcast you can follow us on instagram at politically asian podcast on Twitter at Politic Asian Pod. And if you really like us, please leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is find the podcast, scroll down to the stars, and click five stars. Um, this is the last episode of season three. We have some great guests for you for season four. Uh, we tried booking some of them, but what I'm learning now is that when the glass have when like the people have more clout and are like more famous, it's harder to book them. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spoiler. But um, we do have some very exciting guests for season four. Um, thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next season. Bye. Bye.